Alan Mercer on Manx Radio. Fast am I. Good afternoon and welcome to this week's episode of Perspective. On the programme this week... It's getting people at a very early age interested in Manx language and therefore Manx culture. It hadn't been done in the Isle of Man before. In fact, probably the last time children would have been taught through the Manx language would be at least 150 years previous. It's a big trust you give your children to adults for their education. It's, it's a big risk, isn't it? This week it was announced the Bunskol Gilgach is going mainstream. From September it'll be a fully maintained government school for the first time in its 19-year history. In this programme we'll learn all about the truly unique place of learning, its past and its future. We'll hear from the Education Minister later, but first, joining me in the studio are two people who've been instrumental in the life of the Bunskull to date. Annie Kizik has been a teacher at the school since the beginning, and Phil Gorn is the Finance Director at Munjavega, the charity which runs the school. First of all then, how did the Bunskull come to be? Well, it all started back in 1996... I think there were three families uh, were, were raising their children um, uh, as Manx Gaelic speakers. And um, the most unlikely of, of people, myself and a fellow called Chris Sheard, started a playgroup because uh, our partners were both teachers. Uh, so we started this playgroup and uh, this was just for the kids because it was, if you are raising your ch- child in a language that most other people don't speak it's good to find other children that are learning the same language so this was uh, a bit of a novel idea so yeah it was quite new and uh, i mean i think bob carswell also of of manx radio uh, fame uh, had been doing something like this with his kids he and his his wife at the time uh so it, it hadn't it wasn't a first for the island, but but it was fairly new at the time in terms of uh, there wasn't anyone else doing that. Um, so we were doing this for a few years, and then we thought to ourselves, well, um, oh, we gathered a few more families and a few more people, and people were saying, yeah, well, actually, we wouldn't mind sending our children along to this. And, uh, so then we uh, set up uh, Monja Vega, um, started off at uh, Braddon Schoolhouse, still there, um, and... Um, still a few places left if any anyone's interested look up look up Munjavega and you'll find us um and um so we started a play group and that again was quite successful and then we were getting to the point where the children were getting a bit too old uh, well they were ready to go to school and we were thinking well what happens after this you know we've we've gone to all this trouble we've uh, well it wasn't so much trouble but it, you know we the children were practically uh, fluent uh, Manx speakers, um, ready to go to school, and there was absolutely no provision whatsoever for them in the in the education system. So, I think probably about a year before they were due uh, to, to start at primary school, uh, we said, right, okay, well, we need to start lobbying the department. So we did, and then the department said, well, you can have half a day a week, and I suspect their their thoughts were the half day a week of uh, tuition. Um, they, they they said we could have the, the old Santon School house or the, the old Santon School I should say and children from all around the island would be shipped there uh, to uh, do half a day a week of uh, tuition through the Manx language and these were primary school children So was it always um, envisioned, envisioned this would be immersion education well, even, even at that point? Absolutely, absolutely um, No, it was that, that was the, 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 the absolute fundamental uh, was that this should be immersion learning and, and for, for those who don't understand it basically means you speak the language that, that, that you want the children to learn rather than teach them about the language and of course that is actually how children learn to speak languages you know the, across the, the world there are lots and lots of people I think in fact uh, the vast majority of people in the world speak more than one language and um, they do that in, in a sort of a process of osmosis they, they, they pick up the language by hearing it being spoken by the communities in which they live uh, so that's how we were going to do it so anyway we got this half day a week session at Santon Old School uh, I was pretty sure, maybe I'm being a bit cynical, uh, that uh, the idea was this would be able to, f- to prove once and for all that this was a flash-in-the-pan thing and it wouldn't work because parents wouldn't support it. 
Um, but unfortunately, uh, <laughs> uh, or fortunately for us, I should say, uh, the uh, it, it turned out that the parents did support it and they were very keen. And actually the half day a, a, a week session was oversubscribed. Um, so we then went to the department and uh, said, well, OK, um, what's the chances of us having a, a unit within a school? Uh, now, this was the model that uh, was used very successfully in Scotland for teaching uh, Scottish Gaelic. And uh, we thought, well, let's let's have a go at that. Um, surely that would be possible on the island. And uh, cutting a long story short, we did approached the minister and said look this is what we would like to do we we would need the support of the department uh, to to do this who, and, who was the minister uh, at the time and of course the minister was steve roden and steve uh was uh, uh steve's children were, were brought up bilingually because obviously his his wife comes from mexico so uh, they were brought up bilingually, so S- Steve got the whole idea about bilingual education. Um, and, of course, uh, the, the key thing for us about learning la- uh, Manx was it's part of our heritage and culture and identity. Um, but uh, the selling point that we used in all our sort of documentation to the department was this is about expanding children's horizons. It's about helping children become more creative thinkers, creative writers, and there's loads and loads of academic research now that demonstrates that bilingual education does that. Lots, um, of, that, lots of that research has been done in the interim period, of course. Well, and, it has, And yeah. uh, you, you mentioned um, some of the parallel things happening in Scotland. Did you look to other... Uh, jurisdictions as well. Obviously, there's lots of immersion schooling in in Ireland, and yeah. there was at that time, for example. We we did um, the the Irish situation when we were starting. Uh, it was kind of in a bit of a transition because the uh, the Irish Free State had set up a, a system uh, of, of compulsory Irish, um, and it was just well, it was becoming openly recognised that 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 had been a, f- a bit of a failure. Um, whereas lots of people were Irish speakers. They were Irish speakers because they were forced to at school and then they never touched the language once they once they could get away with <laughs> with not having to do it anymore. So so I, I think uh, it was recognised that the system wasn't really working as well as it might uh, in Ireland. Added to which, uh, in terms of the, the the sort of the the, the geography and the and the the, the general uh, position of the language, uh, we were much more akin to what was going on in Scotland. You know, you, you could you could see an awful lot more similarities than uh, the the Irish situation, where effectively the state was behind uh, a bilingual uh, system. Really, our system, I think. It could be described as sort of developing from the bottom up rather than something that had sort of come from, yeah. from above, trickle yeah. down. In the, the initial stages you're talking about, Phil, it wasn't just yourself and a couple of, well, a couple of families. There, there was a, a parents' organisation who began to lobby quite uh, extensively. Shezek na Parenton, mm-hmm. um, and that was com- came from a range of families and parents, not all from the island by a long chalk, but all with different, and not always with exactly the same motivations, but very interested in the the, the bilingual idea or the Manx idea or both. Um, so we had a, a relatively reasonable number of children of the right age at one point and I think this was this was the stroke of fortune really all these ideas would be fine but if we only had two or three children or two or three interested families at any point it would never happen but I think we eventually got to the point when there were about sort of nine or ten children who of the same age um, who'd been through the same experiences at um, preschool groups we who parents knew they could trust um trust us as individuals i think um and the children had already made some progress in manx so i think it gave us a confidence um and in combination with connections with the the politicians at the time and extensive lobbying, I, I think we were quite fortunate that these elements all came together at the right time. Because presumably there would have been a handful of families or a handful of children uh, in previous years that that might have been keen had the opportunity been available then. So, or do you th- do you think that's maybe not quite true? I don't know. I think it's a uh, there was a mix really. I, I mean, Annie of course was absolutely right that uh, we we established this uh, organization Sheshik the parents and and um, as an individual family you could raise your children through Manx and a number of people did 
Um, but I think possibly the unique thing um, about where we were was uh, that there were more than you know, there was more than one family at any at any one point that was doing this. Uh, and then when we came together and then started talking about the idea and explaining how it was working in Scotland and and uh, talking about uh, you know the, the broader picture rather than just focusing on heritage and identity but this was a a much broader and more advantageous uh, uh, way of learning Um, we uh, we expanded the the field quite dramatically and and people yeah people just said well yeah of course we should be doing this why on earth are we not doing this Uh, so it was good yes and I think um, in the early stages certainly arranging for ourselves and for interested parents and politicians to actually be able to go to Scotland in particular and observe what was happening in individual schools there um, and talk to educationalists there uh, and actually see the reality of it uh, in a school setting, not just a, a preschool setting. I think that gave people that extra element of confidence they wouldn't have had otherwise. Almost a bit of a bit of proof you know yes. it's more tangible yeah. well, that way isn't it I absolutely suppose. i mean i think it's a big trust you give you know, you give your children to the adults for their education it's it's there's a huge amount of trust in in, in that it's it's a big risk isn't it of course it is even in any educational setting you you've got to trust those people have your best interests of your child they're not sort of factionless or <laughs> sort of obsessive they you know education is always going to be of the utmost importance there um, and the languages of the utmost importance but you've got to make sure you're going to sensible people who are going to do sensible things and unless you have that trust and uh, and fundamental um, strong relationships I think which applies um, to any schooling of course but particularly I think in this situation because um, once you've committed to that it is a very it is a big commitment and it's a, a long term commitment I think um, and we were fortunate to have had um, parents and, and members of staff, potential members of staff, um, who, who had made that commitment at the same time, I think. Mm. And, and again, I suppose you know, that, that risk element, um, you know, at the time, there was quite a risk to this because uh, it hadn't been done in the Isle of Man before. In fact, probably the last time children would have been taught in a primary school uh, setting um, through the Manx language would be at least 150 years previous to that uh, because of course Manx was being stamped out um, for, for the latter part of the 19th century anyone uh, um, find, uh, found speaking Manx was, was deemed to be uh, um, you know worthy of, of severe punishment so uh, so yeah so that that um, uh, the, the, the risk that parents were taking was was quite uh, significant. Now, of course, we've got twenty years of of uh, statistics, and and you know everything has to be measured these days and checked and tested. Uh, and indeed, no, there's no difference at the Bun School. And uh, you know, on average, the children at the Bun School outperform the children uh, across the island. Um, I think they've outperformed them every year that we've we've had the tests. Uh, and not just in language. I mean, you could understand perhaps that uh, they would in language because the whole uh, idea of speaking more languages means that you're going to have more experience to more ideas in language. But it's also the same in science and maths. And the the, the thinking uh, from the, those who study uh, these things is that um, because your your mind is expanded to think in two different languages instead of just being set in one language uh, you're actually thinking around the, the, the puzzle uh, with, you know, whether it's a science puzzle or a maths puzzle you're thinking around that from, t- from two angles instead of just the one um, which makes you more likely to be more successful in maths and science too so so it's uh, yeah it you know it's tried and tested now and that's the great thing effectively that uh, is happening on the 1st of September, the department has finally said, yeah, let's take this in-house. This is this should be mainstream. Why are we, why are we, have we got this kind of unique uh, uh, sort of constitutional setup? Uh, this, this should be part of our mainstream system. We'll come to developments in 2020 in just a, just a minute, but you've mentioned that uh, so the late 90s, this is gathering some pace then. You've mentioned uh, the establishment of Mundra Verga and the, the 
the the, the base, if you like, in Braddon. Um, when did we ne- when did we then see the bun skull in its current form, if you like, in in St John's? And when did that kind of take off? Well, it, it set up first of all as a unit at Balacatia, and I think it was a year at Balacatia. Uh, then um, again, you know, circumstances, everything was shining on us because everything was just happening at the right time. Uh, a new school was being built at St John's, and um, the old school, there was a covenant on it, um, which required it to be transferred uh, to be used as a heritage centre if it wasn't being used as a school. Um, at the time, the department was rather keen on hanging on to its school buildings because uh, it was having to build more schools because there was quite an increase in population at the time. Um, uh, so the last thing they needed was to lose a school. Um, so when we said, well... The, the old school at St John's would be absolutely ideal for us because, you know, in terms of the, um, I suppose you, you want to link together the sort of cultural icons. Uh, so you've got Tinwald Hill uh, on one side of the road uh, and then effectively the Manx language on the other side. It's very and, much become uh, an epicentre, really, hasn't it? And obviously yeah. we now have Culture Van in neighbouring as exactly. well. Exactly, and, and that was part of the thinking for Culture Van and moving out there um, as well was to, to sort of create this kind of cultural centre. So so it's a great, uh, it was a great location for us, um, but also it was a, a, just a, a, a unique circumstance whereby the department needed to hang on to the school and we just happened to be looking for a school in the centre of the island. Um, so they said, yeah, you can have that. Um, and uh, so, so we went from Balacotia, I think a year at Balacotia, one term I think it was at the new school in St John's and then we moved into the uh, into the old school, which is the, the existing location for the Bun School. As you've alluded towards then, um, turning to uh, the, well, the present day, uh, Olive Man government called it a significant moment for the Manx language, and we're going to see the Bun Skull uh, basically go mainstream. Can you tell us about how that process is, uh, has come about and how it's being managed? Yeah, well, I mean, we, we were having discussions. I mean, as ever with uh, these uh, things, uh, you, you, government has to, has to occasionally re-tender uh, things. So we were coming up to a point where we needed to re-tender and uh, we started having a discussion about what the pros and cons of the different options were, and uh, we actually explored, um, you know, all options. Um, and um, whereas I think probably Munja Vega would have been happy to carry on the way things were, uh, actually, um, the more we we were discussing with the department, was the more we thought, well, actually. Uh, making this mainstream wasn't such a bad thing after all. So for the, avo- and, for the avoidance uh, of doubt, it has been very much autonomous and independent, really, until it, this point. It's, well, it's fully funded by the department. It's a department school. Um, but the, in decision-making but and, in terms and, of and curriculum? Or? It, it, establishing the school uh, and making it what it is today, I suppose, required a certain amount of independent thinking. Uh, we do... Uh, obviously follow the, the, the curriculum that's set down in the 2001 or, or, or that comes out of the 2001 Education Act. Uh, so, you know, we, we do follow the, the Manx curriculum, uh, but uh, we are able to adapt it uh, for the unique circumstances that uh, we find ourselves in. So, so yeah, I, I think uh, from a language perspective, this is a rather a good thing that uh, the department is saying, yeah, this is this is mainstream, this this sh- uh, doesn't need to be out on the limb, it, it should be part of the, the whole body of uh, education on the island. So presumably the main pro from the point of view of the organisation is a bit of security perhaps, is that fair do you think? Yeah, yes, I mean I, I think we were always, we always felt reasonably secure, um, but uh, yeah, that the, the when, when you aren't mainstream, then uh, particularly at, at times when when government is looking at uh, budgets and wondering whether it can continue to afford to do all the things it, 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 it currently does, um, something that's not mainstream uh, could could become a target. Has um, it been perceived as a maybe like a luxury thing or something, perhaps? Um, I think some people have thought of it that way, but in, in essence, uh, it's... No different to any of the other small schools. I think there's about five uh, small schools on the island. Some years, uh, be- because of the nature of small schools, it's difficult to, to balance intake with pupils leaving. So some some years you 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 
you know, the, the Bond Skulls, I think, dropped to about 63 pupils, and then other years it's over 70. So, so it's, uh, you know, and, and likewise with the other small schools, they have a similar fluctuation. Um, and, uh, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's no different. It's not treated any differently to any of the other schools. Uh, the only perhaps difference is that the teachers are, aren't employed directly by the department, which gives a, a certain saving to the department in terms of pension liability. Um, but beyond that, it's treated the same as any other school. Probably a question for you, Annie, actually. Um, we hear a lot in uh, in other schools about uh, staff-to-student ratios and things like that, and that being mm-hmm. an, an appealing or not appealing feature for parents when they are looking at their child's educational options. And uh, with it being a small school, I suppose, the, the exposure that children have to staff is perhaps a slightly different experience to elsewhere, do you think? I'm not sure that's the case these days. Um, initially, yes, yes, because we were a small, um, a, a small group of children, uh, of course, at the beginning. But the, the class sizes have gradually grown, and whereas they've not been enormous, there's you know there's certainly, um, you know, in the I've had one the, we've had two year groups together, for example. That that's not unusual in small schools. Um, we've not got enormous classes, but they're not tiny. Um, Obviously, it's easier to convey the language to with a smaller number of children. Uh, they get more chance to, to speak and to practice. That's sort of obvious. But um, I think you would really want to put your child to the school if you want them to do it primarily if you if you want them to acquire the language particularly I mean we can't guarantee that you're going to have x number of children at any point in your class and if that's your only reason for for for, for sending them to the school I would I would, I would, I would question that somewhat I, I think you need a yeah it might be obviously something in somebody's minds at various times but it's not a, it's not a given anymore is it so um, what are some of the values or the priorities of of uh, parents and of students equally who who do choose to come to the school. Yeah, well, obviously the children when they're about four, they may <laughs> they might they 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 probably get put where they're where they're sent really. Um, but in terms of parents, as, as things have gone on, we, we we've gained a bit of a reputation for um, creativity. I think thinking outside of the box. Um, more recently, um, this is not down to me at all, but um, developed quite a quite um, a reputation for doing sort of filmmaking, uh, tech things. So, for example, in the recent lockdown, um, we were sort of able to come up with uh, all kinds of innovative innovative ways of keeping the learning going i mean that's no no thanks to me i may say but other members of the staff have that that skill and confidence and that does permeate through to the children too i think we've got quite a, a sort of tech literate uh, group of kids um quite a lot confident of mu- quite, quite a lot of musical talents very much school as well. yeah musical um, i mean some come that way but we would we, we certainly would hope people would have the confidence to express themselves that children do and by and large they do I mean I think it is something that we do well if you're allowed to <laughs> if you're allowed to boast out other schools do of course as well but I think it's part of the advantages of doing things through Manx if you if you can stand in front of um, an audience including adults and give and just give a talk say what's happening in in, in, in Manx like that you're not going to be frightened of much else that's heading your way later on I you know things that would probably intimidate many many an adult we find that our children have taken them in their stride and I think parents are sort of beginning to notice that in, in the bigger community so it might well be a reason why uh, some of the parents would send their children there certainly I've had that being said to me at different times from the outside if you were looking at this transition um uh, having not had experience of the school, having not been to the school or been a parent of someone at the school, uh, people might have some fears that uh, perhaps some of those values or those priorities could be compromised by the move. Um, is that something you're aware of or, or, or able to, to comment on at all? Do you think? I, I think inevitably when there is change, uh, people start trying to second guess why the change might happen and of course uh, we were due to have a, a meeting with parents to explain everything uh, the week 
after the lockdown uh, took place. So, so it, it has been a little bit difficult, but we have written to all the parents, explained uh, what's going on. Uh, I mean, there isn't anything sinister about this. It's a, it's a, a, a genuine move, I think, on the department's part uh, to take the, the, the school in-house. Uh, Monja Verga, um, which basically has had a fundamental role in the, the, the governance of the school since the establishment of the school, uh, we will continue to have that role. Um, and uh, you know, we, we uh, I, I think I'd, I'd sort of perhaps somewhat jokingly said, "Oh well, that'll be your problem then." Uh, to to one of the officials, and he says, "Oh no, no, we we, we want you to be very actively <laughs> engaged in, in in the the department uh, in in the running of the school." So so I don't think there's an awful lot uh, going to change uh, in terms of the the the, the overall uh, sort of direction and leadership. And again, you know, I think the reason the department wants Munjavega to remain in involved is uh, you know we have got the expertise you know, we've been um what, what are we on to now i think we're 23 years since munja verga was established and um you know we, we we've got all the contacts in ireland scotland wales um we uh we, many of us are a number of us at least are on the committee have been on the committee for for, for all the length of the time of the organization and over that time you learn what is and isn't normal. So, for example, um, a number of the um, governors at the Bun School, when they're first appointed, look at the uh, the initial uh, assessments. You know, the reception assessments and the year year is it year one? Two. It's year two, um, and they say, "Oh, what's going on here? We're, we're not doing as well as other schools." Well, uh, in, in terms of reception, uh, you're being assessed through a language that primarily. <laughs> You've probably you probably had about uh, six or seven weeks worth of of education uh, through, so so uh, it's 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 not always uh, easy to start to, to 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 sort of get the assessments right, um, and then uh, usually it's uh, you know if, if you're learning a separate language, it's going to take you a bit of time to get to grips with that, and of course the the the, the learning of the separate language isn't something which is recorded in the overall uh, statistics uh, by the department although we do uh, record progress in the school so um, it's not until you get out the other end that uh, that you you start to see that the the education has worked and uh, pupils Mm -hmm. tend to excel which uh, which we have seen now of hmm. course because the the early cohorts at the bun skull have uh, have come out the other side. You have a, you know, you have a, a, a bank of alumni, Absolutely. as it were. So I suppose and, the, the, and again, the cycle's you know, been plotted. Uh, it wasn't until I was asked for a, a quote for the press release, and I started thinking, well, what can I say that's going to be useful here? And and I thought, well, actually, the the, the real um, um, result from this uh, bun school is that we've got something in the region of 170 um, pupils have left the school uh, as fluent speakers. So that's 170 children, uh, fluent uh, Manx speakers, and probably since the beginning of the 20th century, you could probably count on on the the fingers of one hand the number of fluent children, uh, fluent Manx speaking children. So it's uh, you know this is quite a quite a dramatic change, and actually that has influenced uh, quite dramatically the 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 whole way in which the language is perceived uh, now. And certainly, amongst a number of the the, the Manx scholars, um, uh, you know, this is this is quite a, a unique uh, situation, and it's something that uh, it's taken a bit of time for everyone to get their heads around as to how this is this is working. Because of course, um, children don't 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 conform to rules. <laughs> Whereas, if you're learning a language as a you know in, in a scholarly form from people with big beards and and, and uh, you know uh, great intellect uh, you will learn rules and you'll learn this and you'll learn the other when you're learning a language as a child you listen to what's being spoken and and then you 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 communicate um and it's not always uh, following uh, rules um, and and conventions and, and and norms and and that's been quite hard i think for some people um, who've been involved with the language for many decades uh, to, to sort of to, to, to come to, to terms with, yeah, maybe, do you come think? to terms with, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now we'll, we'll hear from the education minister later, but in that same press release, Dr. Alex Allenson said that the Bun Skull's been an intrinsic part of the Manx language revival, and 
getting on similar things to what you were saying there really i think it's become synonymous of a, a community effort which um hopefully you can now prove has seen success yes i i, I mean how could i argue with the minister <laughs> uh, but but yeah it, it's it's great uh, that uh, that people who who have less of connection to the language are prepared to to actually get up and say things like that um yeah the bond school has been fairly fundamental to 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 things that have have gone on over the last 20 years or so uh because this this is a language that was declared by unesco to be yes to be yes. dead and, and uh, actually that's that's a very good point you know the the, the bond school i forget which year it was they wrote but uh, around about 10 years ago now they wrote to UNESCO in Manx that the, ch- the children wrote in Manx to UNESCO and said, OK, then um, we're writing to you in a language that you're describing as extinct. Uh, this is the language that we are taught through. This is the language that we speak in the classroom. And you're telling us that the language doesn't exist anymore. How can that be? <laughs> and UNESCO were forced to introduce a new category of re- revitalised languages uh, and Manx was the first revitalised language, and there are now a dozen or more revitalised languages recognised by UNESCO, uh, and all thanks to the work of uh, the the Bond School. And that you know that's that's quite a, fu- a a big thing. You know, international bodies like UNESCO don't change their rules um, easily. Uh, so the fact that we managed to persuade them to do this was 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 quite uh, remarkable, and. Uh, I suppose it, the the evidence was overwhelming for them. You know, the, how could they argue with twenty children who'd just written in a language that their boffins were were, were declaring as extinct? You know, they, they they couldn't justify maintaining that position. So, I mentioned at the top um, of our discussion that uh, you are two people who've been very instrumental in the Bun School to this point. It is a new chapter for the school, undoubtedly uh, coming under the Department of Education, Sport and Culture. It's also a new chapter, and it would be remiss of me not to mention Annie because you're going to have more of a more of a back seat from next academic year. <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> yes, that will be very strange. Um, but I'm hoping to have some involvement. I mean, certainly, I'll be helping um, with the school plays and musicals and this sort of thing. Um, that's already that's already <laughs> sort of fixed. Um, yes, it'll be interesting to see how it, how it goes on. But it'll give being retired. It will give me more time to actually study Manx myself because we're all learners at the end of the day. And um, I've enjoyed teaching, but I've also very much enjoyed learning as I've gone along. And um, you know, it's thrown open things I'd like to to do myself. Uh, there's obviously needs for new books in Manx, um, books that children would enjoy, uh, not just translations of what people think children might enjoy. <laughs> so I'm hoping I might turn my hand to some, some writing as well. well. People be will be useful. familiar with your, your poetry having... Uh, yeah, it won't uh, be like that. <laughs> so this is a, 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 an, yeah. another, another string to the, to the bow, perhaps? Yeah, well we'll, yeah. well, we'll see. I hope so, yes. Annie Kizik and Phil Gorn. Garamayu, thank you very much for joining us. Now joining me in the studio is Education Minister Dr Alex Allenson, MHK. So where does the Bun Skull sit and who does it belong to? Well, it, it, it's always been owned by the people of the Isle of Man without sounding trite. I, I mean, it was a school set up very much by parents for their children, but also people on the island who were enthusiastic about not just keeping a language going, but increasing its prominence and, and showing its importance as part of Manx culture. What has has happened over the years is that a charity has kept it going, kept it not just kept it going, increased the profile of it to to the point where it has become a mainstream school. And so, in terms of ownership, it, it is still owned by by the people who who live and breathe the Manx language. But what we're trying to do is, is by incorporating it into the overall education service. It's not an outlier anymore. It's a mainstream school yeah. um, that's there to promote and um, increase interest in, in, in the Manx language. I don't think people going to that school will, will notice any difference. But what it does is cements the, the particularly the, the governance of it, the importance of the the Board of Governors, um, in terms of the overall health, or the overall education service on the Isle of Man. You said, and I'm going to quote you from the Isle of Man government press release, you said it's made Manx a living language again. Mm. Does the department have any indication or any way of knowing what sort of condition 
the island's native tongue would be in had it not been for the Bunskull? Not really, no, because, and again, I think we've always accepted that that, that it's there. Um, We need to to cherish that and, and protect it. What I do know is that there is a huge interest in the Manx language from adults who who are going to to clubs, who are going online, who are using a huge range of resources to to become familiar with the Manx language and try to talk talk it and speak it as much as possible. What the Bond School does is is above and beyond that. It's getting people at a very early age interested in Manx language and therefore Manx culture and perpetuating that. The other thing about um, the, the Bund School is that it's not just teaching what's there. As new, we have new words in English, so we need new words in Manx. And a lot of the work they do is more in terms of research and developing educational tools for both young people and, and adults alike. So in, in, in terms of what would happen if the school wouldn't, wasn't there, I think we'd have a real deficit in terms of further development of the language right the way across all ages. In the last 150 years, the Manx language has seen mixed fortunes and mixed fortunes in terms of its health, but also politically. Um, do you feel that it's there's still some tab- taboo even around the topic, or do you feel as though public opinion has changed, perhaps from where it might have been 100 years ago, even 50 no. years ago? I mean, in, in our recent past, people were frowned upon for speaking their, 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 their native tongue. People were even sometimes persecuted for doing that, not just on the Isle of Man, but in other, in other jurisdictions. And we've seen that right across the, the Celtic world. I'd like to think now that, that we not only accept Manx and, and the, the Manx language, Manx Gaelic, for what it is, but actually treasure it. And one of the things that's come out of the British Irish Council is a real focus on indigenous languages um, for actually being part of that culture, that spoken culture and written culture as well, and the importance of that for the overall well-being of, of an entire nation. So I think the, 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 the Manx language is a really important foundation of the whole of Manx culture. And what we're trying to do through the education service is sort of cement that. And as I said, it's not making it a museum piece either. The, the, we have those on the Isle of Man. This is a school this is teaching, it, it, it's teaching young minds the value of, of Manx Gaelic. A bit of a disclaimer, because you've only been in, in post since the spring, so obviously yeah. we can't uh, quiz you on any decision-making beforehand, but if you're able to give us perhaps an opinion on why this has happened now and maybe not in the past. I, I think for a number of reasons. Part of it is that I think the Bond Scholar has got to a critical mass whereby, as, as Phil Gorn said, it is mainstream. And so it should be treated as, as such. The other side of it is making sure that the teachers who work there are classed as, 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 as teachers, full stop, that they have the same um, rights and conditions and support that any other teacher on the Isle of Man would, would have. So have they not had previously? I, they, they have, but I think there have been um, recent issues in terms of um, maternity leave and making sure that you can cover that properly. And what we're trying to do is bring... The, the Bund School mainstream so that we have that protection around, around the staffing. So we have that protection in terms of governance and, and, and really the, the, the status of the school is elevated to what it should be, which is an intrinsic part of our education service for all people on the Isle of Man. You've mentioned uh, just now, and it's mentioned in the press release, that this move cements the future of the school. Uh, what would you say about any fears perhaps that its future may not have been certain? Yeah. In, I, in in previous years. Yeah, I, I think that's very valid. In in the past, a school that teaches in, in Manx Gaelic may have been seen as a nice-to-have rather than an essential part of our, our nation's culture. What we're saying now is, is just that. Is that in public opinion or by government or by who? I, I, I think right across the board. I think there has been particularly, I suppose, in the last five, five years, a real appreciation of Manx culture, what makes us different, what makes us unique in, in the world. And part of that is the language that's spoken, and, and which is a, a foundation for that culture. So I certainly, from, from a department's point of view, it's incredibly important, not only that we have the Bund School, but that Manx culture and Manx Gaelic is taught at, at as many schools as possible, hopefully all schools, and we can use that resource to, to, to put that message out. But also in terms of a nation, particularly with what we've been through the last 
last couple of months, that self-resilience, that belief in yourself has to be based on, on your culture. And having a, a vibrant, living Manx language is, is a really important part of that. I'm sure some of the ideas about this move will be welcomed by many people who have a vested interest in it, maybe people who share the values and the objectives of the Bun Skull, perhaps. What would you say to the people who perhaps aren't so interested in in this? It's a really valuable resource for, for the island because above and beyond Manx Gaelic, we know that those young people who are brought up in a multilingual environment, it can really enhance their ability to learn. And at a time when we've seen in other jurisdictions pulling back from teaching what are seen as foreign languages, this isn't a foreign language, this is our native language, actually an, an appreciation of the value of teaching different languages is, is, is important. We know that, that young minds develop in a slightly different way when they're speaking various different um, tongues, and, and actually it can enhance that creativity. So I'd like to, to see what happens at the Bund School being really... Um, cherished not only in terms of cultural but also the educational aspects of it and to people and for people to think about the value of learning other languages but particularly Manx Gaelic. In my lifetime there's been a significant uh, trend of, of decrease in second language learning should we call it maybe if not foreign language learning in schools yeah. is that something talking more broadly now away from the Bund Scholar departments looking to address to reverse is, uh, is there work on that? And absolutely. Again, curriculums sometimes change and the emphasis on those curriculums change. And we've seen that in terms of languages. I grew up um, with options such as French and German. Now people are learning Spanish and Italian. Um, there's a lot more, bigger range of languages that people can learn. And some people don't quite see the relevance of learning another language. They think it's just for holidays. What the Bond School has shown is that by um, immersing people in another language, you can actually increase educational attainment. You can, you can broaden people's minds in ways that we wouldn't necessarily attribute to, to just going on, 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 on a course or learning a different language. It does broaden your outlook and opens your minds to other possibilities. And I think certainly as we develop the curriculum on the back of the new education bill, we should be looking at the way we teach language um, in, in all our schools, Manx Gaelic, but also other European languages and world languages. And we've seen that already in terms of Chinese and, and, and Japanese, because actually if you can get people's enthusiasm, not just about other languages, but other cultures, um, you can actually broaden people's horizons and actually open up possibilities for their further development in really interesting ways. Is that development plotted and measured by the department? And, and if so, how? Not really. We do we, we measure attainment through exams and tests. Actually, in terms of understanding and embracing languages, that, that can be dif- difficult to, to test. What we do know, though, is lots of young people on the Isle of Man are really quite passionate about learning languages. And often they'll start off with one and end up with two or three. They'll really get, get the bug of learning different languages, learning different cultures, learning um, about different countries. And if we can actually expand that and, and really cherish that for what it is, rather than just exam grades, I think that, that will help create a, a much more rounded education service for all our people. I'm reluctant to talk too much about attainment or about uh, league tables or anything like that. That's yeah. a whole different discussion, of course, and there are many uh, advocates of those kind of ideas on the island. But there are still, I would say, a lot of people who are sceptical, cynical, critical of some of the things that go on at the Bunskull and maybe of language learning more generally. Mm-hmm. Would quantitative data and proof of what it would do to people allay some fears do you think it it would but but again you you the thing with the bond school is it teaches the full curriculum it happens to be in manx gaelic hmm. it's a normal school but actually and unless you know manx gaelic you might be a bit lost at the back of the class um to begin with but you'll learn quickly it's a very very good school it provides excellent teaching but or above and beyond that it actually provides teaching in in, in manx gaelic and in terms of attainment and testing those pupils, I know from experience, you know, meeting them later on in life, when they go into other schools that are taught mainly in English, they, they, those um, young people have got a, a slightly different outlook because of the foundations they've learned at the Bund School. And we do have an awful lot of those people now, of course. Yeah. Um, we've mentioned it's, uh, it was established 19 years ago, so you've had several cohorts of young people who have uh, progressed through how about the provision when it comes to secondary school? Uh, is is that something that's 
being looked at? Is the department aware of perhaps what happens next to the Manx language at that stage? Yeah. I, I, and I, I think that's a very good question. We do have that progression to go on and, and do A-levels in, in, in Manx Gaelic and do further studies in terms of Manx culture. But they're very, they, people aren't necessarily encouraged to do that or directed into it. It's a personal passion that makes people go, go forward. I think you're, you're quite right that in, in the future as we look to expand aspects of the curriculum and expand the range of opportunities for young people to learn, then having options of Manx Gaelic and Manx culture are very important. At the same time, as lots of other things, such as learning French or Japanese or, or, or um, Chinese are, are important, to actually appreciate it for, for what we have on, on our island. You're talking about taking Manx as a subject, really, at secondary school, which yeah. is what's available now. We don't have immersion education in Manx Gaelic at secondary level. Is that something you could ever foresee? Is that is that just too far away? I, I think you'd need that passion that, that actually founded the Bond School in the, in the first place. And, and it's very hard to create that. I think it needs to happen organically. But what I've seen certainly over the last couple of years is people becoming much more passionate about Manx culture, particularly Manx dance and Manx music, putting that on the world stage. And I'd hope that on the back of that, people would get far more involved in in the Manx language. And certainly pupils... Um, in secondary schools if they wanted to start up a Manx language club in the same way as they start up folk groups to actually perpetuate that and develop that further I'd be very supportive of that You've spoken a little bit about links with other Celtic nations and there are certainly all of these similar or parallel discussions going on in Scotland, in Wales and in Ireland too of course in the immersion education scene there we know that you've got some some links to Ireland Uh, is there any work that goes on with comparable communities there about what what we can be doing to preserve the language? There's been a lot of links, particularly with Scotland, at at the start of this, but through the British-Irish Council, there's been a real appreciation of Indigenous languages, both in terms of um, Ireland, but also England and and Cornish as well, and and the strong cultural links we, we, we have with that. So I think by actually appreciating those differences but also the common threads from from the Celtic nations we can take this further I mean it it ties into a lot of the other things that governments are interested in in terms of culture UNESCO biosphere what makes our island very different in a very connected world and certainly I hope over the next couple of years we can expand that there's a five-year strategy relating to the Manx language which is uh, coming to its conclusion next year is it a coincidence that this move with the Bun Skulls been undertaken at the same time, looking ahead to 2021? I don't, I don't, I don't think it's a coincidence, no. This, this um, wasn't particularly planned. It was always something that, that had to be uh, agreed to. I think the, the department's been um, very open in terms of wanting to support the Bond School in any way it can. And whether that was when it was independent through funding or whether it was now um, through bringing it in as a maintained school, we're, we're quite happy to, to, to do that in any way possible. What I think at, at the end of the five-year strategy we can do is sit down and, and say, right, how, what have we done in those five years? What have we achieved? And then plan further into the future to see how we can take the next steps just to not only consolidate what we have, but actually to expand on those opportunities for young people to learn and people in the wider community to start speaking Manx Gaelic and actually see the importance of it for our island. Perhaps inevitably amongst the Manx-speaking community, uh, I think there's maybe uh, some, not concerns, but some, I don't know, I don't know what the right word is here, some some fears maybe that the, the values that... Uh, brought about the creation of the Bun Skull and its delivery since could have been compromised by this move uh, coming under the the, the mainstream wing. Yeah. What would you say to some of those fears? Really, well, I, I can recognise that that apprehension. What we we we're doing, and by we I mean the Bun Skull and the department together um, are doing, is is cementing that relationship, bringing the school in main into the mainstream, but also really cherishing its independence and its uniqueness at the same time and there are similarities with with other smaller schools on the Isle of Man other faith schools for instance who are part of the wider educational service but still have their very much independent um, uh, personality and independent identity and I as minister want to protect that absolutely for the Bond School. Does the department promote individuality between schools? 
Yes, absolutely. We we do that through a whole range of, of, of measures. But one of it, one of them on the Isle of Man is that most of the schools have a, quite a high degree of autonomy, and they have the governance through through the the, the governing body and the governors who are on there. And certainly at the Bun School, it, it's going to be really interesting to create um, that independent identity through the governing body to take it forward, not just now, but but in decades to come. Just finally, um, you've said already that the actual education provision at the Bun School won't change from the point of view of the students. Are we likely to see any changes there and at what cost to the department? Um, in, in terms of changes, I suppose it, it, it's really using the Bun School as a beacon of what you can do on the Isle of Man. In terms of the of the cost to the department, again, we're, we're fully funding the, the Bun School as we have done in, in the past. That's already been the case. Exa- it, so. Exactly. Um, and that's not changing at all. The, the, the funding's still there. And I'd like to see the, the, the range of services that they provide to, to be, being able to expand, particularly using it as a resource for other schools on the island to, to, to perhaps visit, to see the textbooks they're using, to see the workbooks they're using. We've talked already about using some of the video lessons, and, and what we've learned out of the, the health emergency and having to close schools, having that bank of educational resources we can use for all sorts of purposes in the future. And I think the Bond School is going to be a fantastic resource for education across our island. I said just finally, and I've changed my mind because there's one more thing that's come to my mind. Um, I did also speak to Annie Kizak, who's uh, been a, a permanent fixture really in the life of the Bond School from a teaching point of view. How about in terms of recruitment of teachers there? Uh, is that a problem or is that ever going to be a problem? There's obviously a very specific set of skills required that, that not many teachers have. There, there are, but as, as we've talked about, the, the, the value of language, of, of speaking um, a, an in, a, a native tongue on the Isle of Man, I think there's an increasing interest amongst young teachers to develop that further. And, and if you're able to speak in several different languages, why shouldn't you speak in Manx Gaelic as well? Um, there, there are some commonalities with other languages um, because of our Celtic um, history. And actually, uh, I, would, I would like to see the Bund School you know, be, be, be very much promoted as a language school, and as, as a really good school that teaches the curriculum, but, but in, in a different language. And I think that will attract teachers to it, particularly now that it's seen as a really part of our mainstream education system. You've been listening to Perspective on Manx Radio. Garamayu, thank you for tuning in. See you next week. Take care.